They're taking cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top. Tales from the Tinny regrets to advise that the Tinny will no longer be broadcast from the pub, nor the cafe, restaurant, museum, social or sports gathering, art and craft fair, or any place where their general lack of personal hygiene may be deemed a public health risk to others. By decree of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, they are now officially quarantined and banished to work from home. Aha, the shed. Tales from the Tinny. This is where we'll work from home, Tim. Why? Well, you can smell it. The smell of the engine oil and the dead rotting rat carcasses, they kind of just speak to me and the church. Really? Working. Kinda. From home. Hang on, is, is that my landing net and bogger grips over there? I thought I'd lost them. Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. It really does stink in here. I've been looking at them. On ABC Radio, Darwin and podcasting. Well, g'day, fishos, and welcome to Tales from the Tinny. And the, the, the amount of things that I found in Tim's shed as I was rummaging through wasn't just the bogger grips. There were unopened lures that you know that were rare that I'd bought that I could never find. There was there was a land. There's actually two landing nets. There's a fair bit of your gear in there, Andy. There's a fair bit of my gear. And the, the thing you, you run pretty nice gear. <laughs> I do, but the thing that puzzles me, Tim, and I'll ask you here on air is, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I just don't remember lending those to you. Did, did I lend any of that stuff to you? Look, some some fishos maintain their gear really well, and I know the Church of the Tinny would understand this, wouldn't you, fisher? Some some people you go out fishing, they lubricate regularly, uh, they keep the rust off their gear, they change trebles, they change split rings. Sometimes it's easier just to borrow that in inverted commas than do it yourself. Oh, so, Perhaps that's so, how it's ended up in my uh, shop. All right, so you've just borrowed some stuff. Well, that's great to know. Let, let me just say this, though, as we sit in your back garden overlooking your pool. Now um, stop complaining. There's plenty of things I could borrow around here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that anyway. Yeah, righto. How cold is it? Oh, it's nice. It's and it's beautiful. Gonna, and it's going to get colder. Bit of rain earlier this week, too, which was nice. Co- cools it off and glasses it off, too, the harbour. Well, the stillness has been good. The cold is kind of nice, too, because it's a novelty. But after the second night of two or three dunas, it, it's not that nice anymore. Yeah, it's it's you just want to dip your toe into that pool, really, don't you? You do. You, just you, experience what it's like down then, in Adelaide for what? Three to four hours? Yeah, I was going to say a day or two and then crank it back up. It's the early morning whinging, particularly from children, about the unacceptable chill mm. that becomes intolerable fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed that actually. Our daughter was, was brought up for the first couple of years in Samoa, so tropical environment, and then we moved back to the Territory. So she doesn't know the Melbourne or Adelaide. So when it goes to 25 degrees, she's shivering. Yeah. She doesn't know real hurt. She doesn't know real hurt. Mm. Anyway. And that's a reflection on your excellent parenting to never Keeping her away from the cold. Yeah, from, from, yes. from real hurt. So still tough times, obviously, Tim. There's still a lot of, uh, a lot of businesses suffering out there and, the, you know, the biosecurity zones are still shut. Um, so we're still sort of in that, that interesting period, aren't we? Even though we've, you know, been relaxed a little bit so we can fish with our mates again. And Light at the end of the tunnel, though. Hopefully only a few weeks to go and they 
those zones will be lifted, hopefully. Yeah, and what's been great um, from a Fisho's perspective is just watching NT Fisho's... I won't use the word adapt because we've used that a bit, even though I just used it. Find new ways of doing old things in, in interesting times. Throwing, what, throwing the rule book out. Throwing the rule book out, reinventing themselves or, or, their, or their methods, their methodology. I, I call it the piscatorial paradigm. So they're basically taking a different view, a different angle and figuring out new ways to do old things. And we're be, f- because they've had to. Because they've had to, because yeah. these, are, these are tough times. These, these are unique times unprecedented times. Mm. We're going to hear a bit about that today. We're actually going to hear about a crew who figured out how to catch fish pretty much by not doing anything, just by putting a rod in the holder. And I'm not, I'm not talking just fish fish. I'm talking big fish. I'm talking close to meteries. That sounds exciting. Mm. That sounds like the kind of fishing you and I are very interested in. You're a little bit more active than I. I'm more than happy to catch fish by doing nothing. I'm open to that as a, as a premise. I, I've, I've actually... <laughs> You're right with that. I've actually been called hyperactive on the water. Yeah, you are a little. There was a time when I'd cast a rod in each hand, like mixed whips at the sunset markets. You are a little much (laughs) at times. Anyway, we're going to have a bit of a chat about, um, on that same sort of piscatorial paradigm theme, we're going to have a chat about crustaceans and how they can keep your spirits up uh, and how they can potentially keep some other things up too. This sounds very, very enticing. It is, it is. All that and more to uh, entice and perhaps uplift you. <laughs> Odd tales you'll from get, the tinny. You'll get that joke later on, Fishos. <laughs> it was really, really clever. <laughs> when you sort of untangle it, you've got to be careful when you go to the toilet so you don't get it on your, your important bits. That can be embarrassing. Tales from the tinny. Warren DeWitt, the Ayatollah of the DKVR, proprietor of Rod and Ralph will uh, tackle world in... Uh, Catherine and president of AFAN is back on deck. How are you going, Warren? I'm very good, Tim. I good to be back. I haven't asked, uh, we haven't checked whether the camp drafting's still on because <laughs> you should be firing up for that pretty soon, shouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, all the camp drafts are starting up. Well, the first of the camp drafts starts up on the 27th of June, which will be at Adelaide River, which will be really good. And then we've got two in a row, two weekends after that, Douglas Daly and then Daly Waters have got their camp draft. So, Hallelujah, brother. We'll be able to get back in the saddle. We'll also be able to go fishing. The world is almost back to normal. Mm. Well, one part of the world going back to normal, Warren, is the uh, potential opening of the biosecurity zones. What are you hearing out there in terms of timing for that? Well, we're pretty well sort of thinking that the 5th of June is when everyone seems to be saying that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of ticking off and getting a sign-off from federal government because obviously the biosecurity is a Commonwealth um, law or Commonwealth um, ruling. So once um, the governments, both Northern Territory and Commonwealth or yeah, Australian government sign off on it, there shouldn't be any reason. And, and if providing everybody continues to do such a marvellous job, which is what we've been doing in the Northern Territory and making sure this virus doesn't get a hold up here, we're okay to open up internally. And I think the great thing about it is if we keep the borders closed, like the Chief Minister saying, um, and maintain our social distancing in the Northern Territory, I think we can certainly look at obviously getting back to opening up these biosecurity areas. You haven't heard then that the federal government is considering reviewing that time frame, that June 5? Well, not not from Greg Hunt so much, but Ken Wyatt, the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, has said that he hasn't got a problem with it, which okay. means that the, the Northern Land Council and the Indigenous Affairs Minister are, are pretty okay with it, which to me, that's basically the reason why it was put in place was to protect those uh, remote communities and Indigenous communities out there. So 
and it's done that. So, and if we can maintain our um, present level of no um, virus in the territory, I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah, we'll head down the daily, I reckon, in some of those rivers to see how conditions are looking in lieu of them hopefully opening within a few weeks. Andy, you had some picks of the Daily River boat ramp, which is the river's looking pretty low. Isn't yeah, it? someone sent me a pick this week, and the, the bottom of the, the ramp, it's basically just a little little patch of mud with a, a small channel in the middle of it. And remembering, of course, you know, this time last year, it was the start of the Barra Classic. Well, the river here is indicative of what the, the bottom of the uh, daily will be, and that is we're very low here. We've obviously, as you know, had the lowest rainfall on on record, and we're way way down on our normal flows going down the Catherine River, which obviously affect the Daly River. So yes, it's going to be very low, and people are going to be need to be very cautious when they do start um, back on those rivers again, that they don't um, run into some of these rock bars and, and uh, submerged logs, and that that could be sitting in places that they haven't been before. Um, so you need, you know, everyone needs to be very cautious when they first start back up in these rivers again. And it's going to be good. I mean, I'm hearing reasonably good stories from people that are inside the biosecurity areas and, and a lot of them are poking fun at us because they're aren't able to go aren't fishing. Aren't they what? <laughs> and, and we're saying, well, how's it going? And, of course, they're thumbing their nose at us saying, well, mate, it's just fantastic. And, <laughs> yeah, and we're the fish having are... a great time. <laughs> yeah, and we're not seeing too many people and I can just pick my time as I go from one creek to the other without having to get harassed by um, a whole heap of other boats. So yeah, it's... Yeah. It's going to be good, um, but people just need to be careful when they do get back on the, on the rivers again. Absolutely, and get out there, get the camping gear ready and maintain so we can get out and support some of those tourist operators that have been doing it tough over the last few months. It's going to be fantastic when we can get back to the Daly and the South and the East and the Vic and the Roper and a lot of them, Warren. Yeah, definitely, and they do need our support. All those um, businesses that are out there that have been hit really hard by the uh, biosecurity um, and the COVID lockdowns is it's just um, devastated a lot of these businesses and and yes they do need um, us to get out there and and patronage and, and and give them some money or help them out as much as we can and the best way to do that is obviously booking in there and going fishing and enjoying yourself and going camping again. Absolutely, we'll let you go do that, Warren. We'll do the same and uh, we'll chat to you next week. All right, boys, all the best. Right, uh, yeah, g'day, it's Alex here from uh, Kununurra. Just went out for a night fish the other night, me and my mate Wardy. How reliable a companion, a fishing companion, is this Wardy? Uh, he's pretty good. He's not too bad. He's uh, shown me a few good local spots around Kununurra, so he, he knows a thing or two. We've had past metery experiences, so... Things weren't looking that great at the start of the night. Not much bait around couple of mullet out or what? Yeah, two mullet. So they would have been maybe 80 mil long. What pound line on the um, on the hand line? Uh, 100 pound on the hand line. Yeah, not taking any risk there. No. Like, I lost the metery when I was down there by myself a week before. The line broke on me. Oh, so, oh, so this was a retribution mission. Yeah, this was. Yeah, I was getting, getting one back. Seemed a bit quiet. Next minute, Wardy was down getting a bit of bait. And my rod went off like a firecracker. And I thought, what's this? What's going on here? Massive barra. Jumped out of the water, screaming for Wardy. Wardy, Wardy, get back here. We've got a donkey on here. Absolute monster. Anyway, reeling her in. 
Wardy's sprinting back across the rocks, trying not to fall over. It's pitch black. His head, I don't think his head torch is working properly. Anyway, he gets back. The barra's coming in, coming in, looking good. He's got the hand. He's got the net there, ready to, ready to get her in. And it's about probably five or eight metres from us, still fighting a bit, playing around with us. And next minute, my hand line goes off like a ratchet strap, tight as, bang, gone. I said, holy shit, mate, I think I'm on here. And then next minute, another silver dolphin just jumps out of the water. But that's a massive barra. So I've had to hand the rod over to Wardy while he reels that one in. I try and take care of this one on the hand line. Start getting it in. Now I've got the net in one hand and the, the, the line in the other hand on the hand line. <laughs> so he, he's got it. He's bringing it in closer and closer. I'm going to have to try and get the meter barra in one hand with the net while I've still got the the hand line going with the other one somewhere out in the water there. It's probably 20 metres away. Sweating bullets thinking if I lose this one, but if we lose the other one, could be even worse trouble if we don't want to lose both of them. Wardy's fighting hard to get that one in. We we get her in, get her up, and I just said, deal with that one, hurry up, unhook it, get the hook out of its mouth and help me. So he <laughs> scrambles up the bank. So I'm wrangling this other barrel, which is bigger. This was the metre 12, this one. I said, hurry up. He's around. Like I said, his head torch wasn't working. It was flashing on him. So he's trying to get the hook out with a disco light on his head. <laughs> Come on, Wardy. Come on, Wardy. Get it sorted, mate. Anyway, he got it sorted. He scrambles back down the bank, gets in position halfway in the water. Cro- few crocs about to that night. We get it up. We land them both. Just high five and fist pumping. We just landed two metres in 30 seconds. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Am I to assume that that's not a normal experience in Canada? No. First double barra metery hookup I've ever experienced. What did Wardy have to say after this uh, after this episode concluded? He was speechless. And we tried to take a few photos and the, the phone, of course, was on low battery. So we couldn't, no flash. So we had to try and get the head, head torches in the right spot to get the photos. And oh, it was mayhem. The photo is on uh, Tenny Facebook uh, for shows if you want to have a look. I think you can tell from the photo, Alex, that it's a tense situation and one uh, where it's, you're rather pressed for time. Yeah, oh, yeah, pressed for time. Obviously trying to get those big big girls back in the water. You don't want to muck around with them too long out of the water, but we uh, got them both back into the water safely and they both both swam off. When you talk to Wardy now, when you call him up or whatever, you just go, hey, Wardy, oi, how was that the other night, eh? Well, I actually work, me and him work together. So we we see each other every day. So we're like, remember that time we caught two meteries in a minute? After we got him back in the water, we sat there and, in the, and looked at the stars for the next half an hour and had a couple of beers and just talked about, laughed about it. <laughs> two mates, two meteries, under the stars. Yeah. Laughing your heads off with a beer. Doesn't get any better than yeah. that, man. Nah, doesn't, mate. Absolutely not. Absolutely unreal. You can see in that in the photo, though, the, the big bear that I'm holding just had a, like a chunk taken out of its tail, too. Crockett had a go at it. I'm not sure whether it had a go at it when I was pulling it in or when it does, but you can just see it in the photo. And there's Wardy, waist deep in the water, doing his best to retrieve your second battery yeah. for him. Yeah, that's it. You hang on to that water, mate. He's a keeper. Yeah, he is, mate. He is for sure.
twist in the tail a couple of days later, I found out that I actually had a broken wrist. <laughs> did it, um, did a bit of bull riding on the week a couple of weeks ago and felt came a gutser and yeah, had a sore wrist for a few weeks, but then just realized a couple of days after I reeled these two barra in that I had a broken wrist. So not a bad effort with a bloke with only one good wrist. So didn't last very long on the bull, but got, got back on top with the barra. So it's happy days. Here's a question for you, Alex. Uh, how does the thrill of riding a bull compared to bringing in two meteries within 30 seconds of each other? I reckon the adrenaline's probably about the same, to be <laughs> honest. One's sort of life or death. Losing a metre bar is sort of you won't forgive yourself for a fair while if you lost a metre bar. So the adrenaline for both of them is up there with, you know, with the same. Yeah. Double metre barra fishing, not quite as hectic as getting flung from a, uh, a raging bull with the prospect of breaking your neck and, and getting your vital organs trampled by a beast that weighs a tonne. But it's, it's, it's got to be close, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm slightly sceptical, Tim. What, of this bloke? Well, of I this just, report? Just the concept. Sort of the, the concept of metre, his hand over fist in Kununurra. I don't know. I'm not sure that it's not another mob just having a bit of a lend of us, perhaps. Oh, because they're stuck there and we can't get yeah, there. Yeah, they're in an inner cordon that no one else can go into. So it sort of removes the um, any corroborative evidence, doesn't it? I sort of need... You know my background, Tim. I need some corroboration to firm things up. I can't is, really make a finding unless I've got some corroboration. Is it just that you don't want to believe it to be true? Oh, part of me perhaps doesn't. Could be a bit of FOMO there, but... I think we just need a bit of corroboration too. I'm going to leave that with you. You want, I'll corroborate this. Hmm. How long have I got? I don't know. If you can do it within the show, that'd be nice for the listeners. Corroborate those reports coming out of Kununurra? Yeah. I'm on it. And you can do that via whichever means you like. Someone gave us a hoy this week about those morning telly shows. You know, they're still a thing, apparently. Mm. Sunrise is one of them. And right now, they're doing this little segment where they check in around the country to promote small business or something or other. I'm not really sure how it works. But anyway, for some reason, for some inexplicable reason, Andy, last week they wanted to talk to the man who fills his Easter eggs with custard and cream. Some bloody Catherine and identity. Good morning, Catherine. Give us a wave. And Trent, who is from Rod and Rifle Fishing Tackle, Camping and Hunting. That's a lot going on. What? He said, oh, don't worry, mate. I can show you one in my backyard. Trent, tell us the name of your crocodile. Uh, morning, guys. So uh, his name is Old Mate. Don't you guys all have crocodiles down there? <laughs> tell us about Old Mate in your backyard. <laughs> Old mate's about uh, four or five years old, and he's a saltwater crocodile, and he's been with me since he was very, very young. And uh, he's my little mate. He lives in the backyard. We come down every day and say good day to him. That is amazing. Um, Koshi just mentioned um, you could be like the Australian Tiger King. You could be Crocodile King. Would you be interested in that series? Well, the problem is I'm bald, so I can't grow a mullet. <laughs> I, I don't know if you caught all that. Trent DeWitt showing off the croc in his backyard, which, according to the host, was just amazing. He did represent, he did fly the flag with pride. Smart, witty, erudite. 
And just a little bit of attitude. Well done, Trent. Those, those wacky TV show guys. Who will they cross to next? Maybe Trevor, the rubbish warrior. Maybe he's next on the list. He'd be good. Or Kai. Yeah. That'd, that'd open the eyes of the nation. Actually, Kai would be a cracker. Mm, wouldn't he want? Cracker. There's so much talent to, to draw from. Mm. Uh, Clayton Archibald, there's some talent. He's had a solo trip out to the Mary River Lagoon and pulled his first PB, or his biggest PB, on a weedless rubber that went 95 centimetres. The big girl swallowed the rubber deep, put up a good fight. Unfortunately, after 20 minutes trying to revive her, she couldn't swim. So, mm. you know, you do your best, don't you? You never intend to kill big fish, but if they die, it happens. Um, you do what Clayton did. And you put it in fillet bags and give it to family and friends. And Cameron Kindleysides, uh, he sent us some photos of him holding up a couple of 120 Mackies and another one of a really nice Dewey. And this, this little video of the old uh, two fish, one lure trick. Oh, hard to pull in. <laughs> two giant trevally. Oh, I'll be f***ed. And I'm f***ed. All in a day's work, he says at Dundee. Love this place. And he followed that up with a pic of his electric motor that a shark had had a crack at. The fun just never stops, does mm. it, on your fella? It's interesting, the history, too, of the surnames and how they came about over, you know, hundreds or, in some cases, I suppose, thousands of years. If you were a blacksmith, your surname is Blacksmith. If, for some reason, because Cameron's kidneys are at his sides, he's called kidney sides. Is that what I read to be his... Or is, or is it kin, kindly? Is it kindly sides? Kindling or, or sides. Kindly, kindly well, He always kept kindling by the side of the fire? I'd say he's the fireman. He's, yeah, a, he's a fireman. He's a fireman. That's what happened. Well, his history, his, his, his predecessors, his lineage, comes from a great line of kindling collecting firemen. In Sydney, you know where there's no nightclubs happening, like everywhere, I guess. Uh, so a lot of the performing musos, the DJs, Andy, are broadening their horizons. This one fellow from Sydney is live-streaming his DJ set from what looks like the Hawkesbury River. Oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, from in his little 12-foot tinny. Very cool. Which is really cool. The decks are just in front of him while he's on the tiller, and the whole time he's trolling, he's fishing. Uh, you don't see him catch anything, uh, as he's clearly fairly preoccupied with with, with dropping the beats. What a lovely way to spend your time while you have a lazy troll. And why just pump tunes when you can take the decks and do a live DJ set streamed online? What an age to be living in, Andy. It is. It's cool. Really cool. Can you imagine that on somewhere like Corroboree? Yeah, it'd be okay for a bit. I could put up with that for could maybe one or two. Minutes? Seconds. seconds. I thought you would have said that. <laughs> Not my style, but Well, guess but what? You're going to be putting up with this for some time because it ain't going anywhere. Okay, yep. Make it an under under underplay or whatever you call it. I didn't go to radio school. What do you call it when there's... Um... Oh, just music in the background. <laughs> okay. That was worth your six years. Uh <laughs> Alicia Gab, she's given us a quality hoist, so we'll do this with the music in the background, to use a technical term. Uh, that's from a shady trip last weekend. This uh, is very cool, actually. This is a great hoist. The story was this. Pretty much it's been a sore spot for me that my first metery 
a 107 caught in Broome 17 years ago doesn't actually count because it was on live bait and she was nine and her dad fought it most of the way and landed it. Oh, the poor thing. She's been told since she was nine it didn't count. Yeah, I wonder if, she, she, if yeah. she remembers that or you're right if it's been drilled into her. By the way, you've never caught a metering. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good point to just entice you further by hearing some of the audio early in the story. Mm. <laughs> Had a last-ditched effort with a couple of mates last week. They both got meteries this season, same as my partner, and it was sort of a running joke that this was the trip for me to finally get a metery. So they've trolled past a corner. Joss was up the front of their cast, and first cast, he's hooked up to a 70-odd, so that's all right. And then as soon as he's hooked up, my rod buckled, and the line just started peeling. So this is sounding promising. It took two of us to actually pull the rod out of the rod holder, and at this point, the fish hadn't jumped. We didn't know what it was. It got a bit hectic. So there's three other lines out there. They've all, all got to come in. We can all relate to that sort of pandemonium when there's a big fish on. And the intensity when it takes two people to get the rod out of the holder. You know something's happening. That says something, it's something pretty big. Some, something's pretty That's serious. That's right. Yeah. So on that note, they've called it as either a catfish or, or a groper. It was mm-hmm. that heavy, and it just wouldn't come up to the surface. Yeah. Finally came up and rolled, and then it broke loose. Josh called it as a 110 straight away, and the fight got a whole lot more serious from here. So it's gone from for several other runs, and then she felt one of the trebles go pop. Uh, Again, something we can all relate to. Not nice. No, not nice. Finally got close to the boat and ready to net, and another treble popped. So now it's just hanging by the back treble and one hook. <laughs> as soon as I saw it go in the net, Taylor and I started screaming, and she went a lovely one, one, three. It was an absolutely surreal moment. Holy! Whoa. I don't know that human vocal cords were even made to do that. I don't even know if they were human vocal cords. No, they weren't. Well, that was something. That was some sort of extraterrestrial exorcism. That was unusual. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> it took a while to sink in, she says, what had just happened, and that I had finally done it, and I'd got my metery. took long enough. I don't do many trips without my partner, Jake, and it was a bummer this was one of them. I'm pretty sure he was more stoked than I was when I told him what had happened. We all celebrated with many drinks when we got home, as you absolutely should have. It's a lovely story, Alicia. Congratulations, mate, from the Church of the Tinney. 17 years, I think it was, being told that, you, you know, it doesn't really count, that barra caught on live bait that Dad reeled in for you. It counts now. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. Sometimes even for the most experienced uh, wreck fishers, Andy, it just takes a little bit of pure ass. It takes a bit of thinking outside of the square and then a bit of purple ass, as we were discussing last <laughs> week. Yeah, a bit of purple ass and a few stars to align and magic can happen, can't it? I suspect that's how this happened. Nathan Corpus, who was out at, um, at Shady, how are you, man? Hey, mate. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Real good. You, you'd been working pretty hard for Barra. Uh, in amongst the threadies in the early parts of this session, hadn't you? Yeah, I, I think uh, hard's an understatement. Um, I think for anyone that fished out there that particular weekend, um, the frustration was just beyond a joke. 
um, with the amount of barra that we're seeing on the sounder in amongst all the salmon. We definitely had a, a big job ahead of us. You know, we're getting down in that water column um, where they're all sitting, lures and remedies and styles and fast troll and slow troll. And, and in the end, we didn't even have to troll. We just basically had to put a, a rod in the rod holder and, and chuck a rubber out and so be it, strolling. For those who don't know the technique, tried and tested for the, either the super frustrated, the super bored, or the super lazy. You forgot the super drunk. <laughs> <laughs> for young Shane campaign <laughs> people throw under the bus oh man he's way so far <laughs> under that bus du-dum, du-dum. he put himself there you know we uh we told him take it easy slow down you know the fishing will get better it's all right <laughs> um but there was no turning back after the the third glass um which turned into the bottle so i think by 6 30 that arvo he was gone, done and dusted. I turned it in at about 10.30 and thought, bugger this. We, we've tried everything. Let's just try the stroll. Put a rod in the rod holder, put on a rubber and got it down to about 10 foot. And I thought, well, tide's going to turn soon. We're in a deep hole. What could go wrong? And then about 1.30 out of the tent onto the rod and the first jump, I thought, right, it's a horse change. You've got to get up. Parked up next to... Mr. Jack Hallett, he jumped up, he goes, oh, Corpus, I'll net your fish. I said, yep, beautiful. And he's like, I've just got to find my pants first. <laughs> what? I said, you ain't got no time to find any pants, mate. Like, this fish is coming in hot. You've got to, you know, it's, you've got to get up and get the net. <laughs> who, need, who needs pants, man? You just need <laughs> a net. There's That's higher, it. There's higher priorities. You're all friends. Yeah. yeah. So we had the fish actually in the net. We had it to the boat in the net within, I don't know, 30 seconds. Did um, he have undies on, by the way, or was he full commando? I didn't really look. He comes from the country, so I'd say, you know, like, I don't know what was hanging down there, but there was a silhouette. And it wasn't the bogger grips. The, you know, we were about to give high fives, and and then all of a sudden, fish was like, nah. He must have had a look at what was going on there, and seen Jack and his tackle, and launch itself back out of the net back into the water, decided to jump and splash a heap of water into the front of the boat where young Nick Boss was housing a, an insect in his ear. Filled him in with water, woke him up. We got it back in the net, we measured it, it was 99.99 freaking not a dollar. Wow. And and what a way for Nick to get woken up by getting splashed in the middle of the night by a, by a basic metery. By a basic metery. Yeah, pretty much, um, because the bug had kept him up pretty much all night anyway, buzzing around. Jack thought, wow, this is too good to be true. He started strolling while we were taking photos, and then his rod goes off. After I've taken the photo, I've netted his fish, put my rod back in the rod holder, land his fish, and then mine goes off. So we've been fishing all day, trolling. We hooked four barrel, landed two. Corpolicious left his rod in the rod holder when we went to bed. We woke up to a 99 going off. He had to scramble out of his tent. In the last half an hour, we've got a 99, a 91, and how big is this? Another 91. Yeah, bigger. 94. And they're just in the rod holder, strolling. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Like, and they're just sick fish. We had eight hookups and six fish. 
you know, this went on for an hour. Back in bed by about three o'clock and up at six cooking breakfast. Didn't get a fish after that. Unbelievable. All strolling, all in your undies, and yep. all thanks <laughs> to Shane not being able to behave like a mature adult and control his alcohol intake earlier in the day. That's it. We had to use unconventional methods. We don't have to burn fuel going up and down the river if we can just find them and throw a rod in the rod holder. And just get one. Get one. <laughs> See you, Nathan. All right, guys. Cheers. So it wasn't until talking to those blokes that I realised that um, bugs are actually another risk on the water. I've never experienced it, but this is clearly a risk. They're horrific, man. I've had yeah. it once before. Have you? I've, I've, and, and for I've anyone who it. has, you hear about what water torture or sleep deprivation would be like to send the mind crazy. Having a bug inside your ear, it's basically like buzzing around on your brain. Absolutely maddening. So that bug that Nick got in his ear, they were heading full steam uh, up the river and he was getting bugs in his face. So he's actually turned side on. And cool, boom, bang, the bug's gone in. So the bug's gone in at sort of bug speed. There'll be some formula for this, but it's bug speed plus boat speed. Well, I know know the vessels these guys run. And they the, click along, mate. They've been doing the, the, 60, 70, 80 Ks. Yeah, they don't, they don't muck about. So he's put up with it for the whole two days. That's, that, that was at the start of the trip. He's actually put up with that torture for the whole two days. And they've tried everything in the rule book to extract it. The olive oil, the leader line, even some straightened out hooks. Yeah, it's right there. No, just leave it. It's coming out by itself. At least the ear won't rust, Nico. Yeah, It's great. right there yeah. or what? Yeah. Then that white thing coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been, it was like literally like that far in and now it's just floating to the top. <laughs> Oh, f- me dead. It's a f***ing yabby. <laughs> Yuck. Yabby. It didn't actually come out in the end. It was a hospital job in the end. Yeah, because they were heading at bug speed, which was... Plus boat speed. But bug speed plus boat speed, it, it buried so deep. Yeah, that's it's frightening. It's horrific. It's, it, it, it's right up there with crocodile attack. Frightening. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, Zayden Lewis. From Darwin, went out to Shady Camp and Tommy Cart on the weekend, where we found ourselves out there Friday afternoon, slept the night in the boat, and trolled the mouse out the front for a while, got a few nice fish. Young fella Sam got a 91, which was a cracker fish. Now, hang on a minute, Zayden. You said, you said young fella Sam. How old are you? Um, I'm 15. Oh. Sam's about 10 or 11. Fair enough. Got a heap of salmon on the trawl, but just couldn't seem to find the barra all day. Went sampan, trawled that for a bit, just flicked, got a few 60s and 70s on the poppers and the prawns all day. And we wandered out to the dew hole just off sampan for a bit. Saturday afternoon, we'd come across this spot which said 50 pounder. This is on, on Braden's sounder. He's called the Mark 50 pounder. We had a bit of a laugh <laughs> and we wandered out there. So we had a bit of blue salmon and a bit of thready, chucked it on the old barragear, baitcaster. And float it down to the bottom, and next minute you know, I've hooked myself onto a meter thirty-five dewy. <laughs> well, you're fifteen. How tall are you? About one hundred and sixty centimeters. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Jeez, that would have uh, given you a run for your money. There was a bit of thumb work in it. Had to use my thumb a lot of the time. Really close to getting spooled on a few occasions. We're very tempted to go chase it, but in the end. Just got it into the boat, and as soon as it come up, the head on it was huge. <laughs> oh, I fought it for about 20, 25 minutes, and the highlight for me would have been, as soon as it comes to the top, just sitting there. We didn't know what to do. Like, half that, just the head was fitting in the net, and we ended up 
holding a tail and sort of a little bit of the head in the net and sort of flung it into the boat sort of thing. What was the talk on the boat during the fight? It was a bit of like, I was sort of a bit more like groaning a bit because like I was pretty tired. I was in Braden's boat and dad and the, my brothers next to me were giving me a bit of smack talk. What's dad's variety of uh, smack talk? When like you're, you're fighting a fish and it's like, oh, it's not that big type of thing or some groaning small or something like that. Ah, yes, uh, but you were vindicated with a 135. Braden estimated to be over 25 kilo. Wow. So 50 pounder, the name of the mark. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. well spot on. My previous Dewey, PB Dewey is about meter 20 and I've caught all that on like Saragossas and Stratix and things like that, which are suitable for it. What's going to be next? You use a handline or what? Yeah, actually, the other day I caught a good jewy on a handline up Shoal Bay. We've actually been hitting a few jewies lately, and we've got eight or nine already, and just on dark and gone, they're all about a metre ten. Chucked the handline out, and I chucked it out just while I've been re-rigging, and I've chucked it down, and next thing I know, I've hooked this thing on a handline, so a metre thirteen. And my brother, Joey, he actually hooked a jewy on the handline the other day when we were there, when I got that big jewy. And he's got burn marks all around his leg from the thing running so hard and he ended up getting spooled. And so was that you guys done for the trip? Uh, no, we stayed that night and then fished all of Sunday, three quarters of Sunday. Yeah, just got, I reckon, about 15 threadies over about, just all about 90 to about 95 to the inside of the fork, all about metre 10-ish. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, man. Well, look, uh, Zayden, congrats. Awesome fish. We'll, we'll catch you next time, eh? Cheers, beard. See you out in the water. 135 Dewey. Can you imagine how that would feel as a 15-year-old Andy? In, in fact, what would have happened if a 15-year-old Andy <laughs> had caught a 135 Dewey? I think he said he was about a, he's about 160 centimetres tall, so only shy of you by 25 centimetres, less than a ruler. Yeah, I think I would have shut down. The, you, the, the excitement level would have just shut all cylinders down, and I may not be here today talking man, to you, Tim. Man, your, your synapses would have been completely unable to cope if at 15 you'd caught that. I reckon you can imagine being wheeled in the hospital and the doctor's going, oh, I haven't seen this you, before. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like a 15-year-old stroke. <laughs> Thank God that never happened. Fantastic, though. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah, well done, Zayden. And you can check the pictures out on Facebook if you want corroboration. Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get your now, this one, Andy, is a bloody long one, so I'm hoping you can help me out with it. Is that all right? I'm here. It's from Glenn. Dear high members of the Order of the Tinny, I'm writing to you today to request two of your GoFast TFT FTFT fish measuring stickers. I throw myself at the altar, hoping they might be serving frothies for communion, by the way, uh, and seek penance for my sins. I moved to the Territory five years ago from the Kimberley, where I'd spent eight splendid years fishing, camping and regularly undertaking dubious activities, which some of the prim and proper may consider to be reckless, dangerous and not politically correct. Since that time, I've found from the oracles of TFT that such activities have names like Frothy and Waffle and are legitimate in this church. Anyway, 
Suffice to say, I feel very much at home in the church of Tinney and like a child adult about to ignite his first firework on Territory Day or any other day of the year I see fit. However, I must confess my sins now. I have strayed. After moving some five years ago, only last year did I in fact invest in the vessel. A nice 5.2 dory, well appointed, including a 140 litre fuel tank and storage to match. As you will know, it's a cardinal sin to have more fuel for the motor than frothies for the occupants. So why so long to acquire such a vital piece of equipment? Financial constraints? No. Was it because he hadn't discovered Tales from the Tinny all those years back and therefore there was no guiding light in my life? He says, well, yeah, but no. The real answer was that, in fact, I hooked up with what I thought was the catch of my life, a 176-centimetre brunette. But how, you ask, and why would she clasp my tiller and steer me away from the fisho's life? Why would she? Well, she's a vegan. A vegan girlfriend. Obviously a hurdle when wanting to be knee-deep in barra blood. Walloping and slicing, gaffing and netting, corralling and capturing those who were only seconds before free. <laughs> you can take the fisho out of the boat, but you can't take the boat out of the fisho. Nah, that doesn't work. You can take the fisho out of the boat, but you can't take the fisho out of the... Fi- fisho? Well, y- you get the point anyway, boys. So I negotiated with her about buying the boat, which, just by chance, my next-door neighbour, not a vegan, was selling for a steal, so it's now mine. Even better, he said it was fine for me to store it in his shed. (laughs) What a champion. So recently, the vegan girlfriend has started working away, meaning that on my days off, I'm now able to escape overnight and embark on a longer period of spiritual togetherness with my other beloved, and that is meat. Fish meat. So, at the first opportunity, I decided to take a pilgrimage to the Mecca, a.k.a. Shady Camp. Like all intrepid travellers, I did my research, that is, made sure I knew where the turn-off on the Arno Highway was. That's about as far as it goes. And arrive at the said place of prayer, where I pull up next to a large sheet of concrete, which has a slope on it. Mm, That's a good start. Just like some boat ramps I've encountered previously. (laughs) The other ones had water at the bottom of them. This one was weird, though. It just had mud. (laughs) I realised that during my research, the the blokes that I'd asked about tides would between them struggle to put on a pair of shoes, let alone tie a pair of shoelaces. So now I'm thinking my lack of appearance at the church for so long has seen my name struck off the list of those who are worthy. Like any persistent fisho, though, I cracked another frothy and considered my position. Then it came to me. One of the TFT episodes I'd recently listened to commented on Dewey's off Dundee. So with reignited vigour, off I went. I successfully launched there. And while I didn't snag any of the said Dewey's, I did get a nice selection of reefies over my two days of prayer, which despite the driving, was fine by me. Now to the reason for the two <laughs> Go Fast Wawa stickers. Posted a video of the taxman off Dundee Beach to the TFT Messenger site. I'd love to report how long he was, but I only have one faded old fish measuring sticker on the boat, which was definitely not long enough to measure this one. If, however, I have two of your stickers, I could have joined them together and it would probably have reached <laughs> halfway down his tail. Wow. Wow. 
It's a fair request. I hope you see fit to forward me the stickers. Uh, and if so, I will display them with pride and promise to regularly visit the church. Yours truly, Glenn from Malden. Suffice to say, uh, presume your vegan girlfriend will not be hearing you feature on this here program, Tales from the Tinny, which revels in blood, slime and entrails of those things which were once free. Thank you, Glenn. Given that we talked about this bloke last week on the show, I felt like we really owed it to the church to hear it from the horse's mouth, Tim. This is the yarn of the bloke who ended up sinking in the mangroves, losing his darts and then throwing beer cans at the crocs. Yeah. Well, I thought we also owed it to the fella himself, Jaden Stockbridge, to have the right to tell his version to his people. He was clearly one of the church and he, he deserved to step up to the pulpit and have his say. When we caught up with him this week, we were delighted and not altogether surprised to find that this bloke was the gift that just keeps on giving. Mm. We firstly wanted to know, of course, how the broken nose and the torn bicep were healing up after that terrible incident. Oh, f- all good, mate. Nose is bent. Arms come good, though. Nose bent forever, Jaden. Yeah, mate. It's always f***ing bent. Probably straightened up, actually. Oh, so it might have been a win. <laughs> I'll take it, mate, at the moment. It, it sounded horrific, what happened, man. Before we get on to the latest episode, what was that like, waking up from being unconscious, staring at a boat three quarters underwater, completely smashed up, and looking down the barrel of a couple of crocs? It's a bit of a blur, but I was really just worried about my darts, man. I knew the, the croc wouldn't do anything, just hanging around. But panic set in. Normally I can handle situations, but that's something I hadn't been in, so yeah, panic set in not long after that, but the stubbies definitely helped. Uh, were they particularly uh, expensive and unique darts for that trip? I went down the servo on the way there at Shelling Palmo, and they didn't have the ones I normally get, and I was in a rush to get to the boat ramp, and I just said, just chuck us a pack, and they scanned at 50-something dollars, and I just went, oh, well, they'll be right. Oh. <laughs> they, they were expensive darts. Yeah, they were. <laughs> uh, how many did you lose? Like, did the whole packet go under? Oh, no, I nailed a good half on the trip. No good 20-odd. Jaden, we had called to congratulate you on getting back on the water. Um, yes, yeah, so I found a, a nice little tinny on Marketplace that I thought was all right. The fella seemed all right. I went and took it out to Dundee. Yeah, weather was good, and I went out on my own, as, as you do. You know, don't run the motor first, just buy it and take it out. And I went out to, to Witch's Nose, Witches whatever it is. Got there, and uh, my phone died. On the way out, the sounder cable thing snapped off the backside. Had no idea where I was. I just moored up between a couple of boats and then dropped the bait, a couple of fish straight away, and then realised there's a ton of water in the boat. And it kept coming in and in and in. And I had a little one of the BCF bilge pumps and went to connect to the battery and realised I didn't have a bloody hose, so that was no good. And then she just kept filling up with water. So here's me little bait bucket and barred her out. Took the bung out and gave it shit for a little while, put it back in and just kept fishing in between runs and getting the water out. And the weather picked up and took me four hours to get back in, loading the boat on, and the side of the axle bloody snapped right there and then in front of everyone sitting on the hill just having a beer, not helping. That was good. This is an excellent we, trip so far, Jaden. Yeah. Oh, the, then I met this, this fellow at the ramp. He was a legend. He come down with some, some duct tape and some pine, and we taped it back together, and that got me out the next day, but not after that. Both the springs snapped too because of that. So what size was this boat? 4.2. What point did you realise the bloke who sold it to you maybe wasn't such a good bloke? Oh, definitely when, when I had a decent fish on him. 
felt water at my feet. Did you have any flashbacks at any point? I mean, this is a couple of disasters sort of back-to-back. How soon after um, was it? Uh, what, three days later? <laughs> That's a good average, but, um, one every three well, days. Mate, I've, like, I've had a few. Like, I'm from WA, mate. I don't know if you know how far Rotto is off Perth. It's got 20-odd k's, and we get four-metre swells a, a decent day. I used to go out in a 3.2 there and back, and I've been caught out in a couple of little alerts up north in WA. Yeah, nothing like that. Good times. Have you run any self-assessment, Jaden, in terms of, I guess, w- whether you as the skipper have any role or responsibility for these seemingly back-to-back disasters? Yeah, last disasters? night, actually. Last yeah. night uh, was the first time I've actually had a look back at the 20-odd disasters and thought, <laughs> my dad's right, and that's why he doesn't want to come fishing with me. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that's legit. I actually sat down and had a beer and thought about it last night. I'm outside Bunnings now to come and get some Sikaflex to do the boat up and see how that goes. We'll go. We'll have one more go at it. <laughs> oh, bro. But no, um, like I was actually just telling you later, I'm, I'll go out with a full tank of fuel and I'll get to the spot with no fuel left, but at least I know I'm going to get there. And I'm always going to get back home because, you know, if you get a chance to let off the player, that's pretty cool. But, you know. Hey, hey Jaden, your dad was right. No, my dad's right about everything I'm starting to learn. <laughs> See how the next trip goes, and after that, I'll reassess on whether I even want to fish anymore. I might have a couple of years off. It's more the people you meet when, when shit goes wrong. That fellow I met at the boat ramp would be mates for life, so it's, it's all right. You're always going to get home, and there's always fish. So. And it's hot, so it's all good. That is just such a wonderful observation that uh, it's actually all going to be all right eventually, and someone will come out of the woodwork and help you. And that is actually, in, in all seriousness, Tim, that, that's part of the territory spirit, isn't it? You, you know what? It is going to be all okay, Jaden. It's because I've, well, seen, I've so... seen the photos of this boat, and there's a Tales <laughs> from the Tinny Go Fast Red YYY Delilah sticker on it. Everything's going to be okay, brother. I should have used that sticker to patch the hole up, actually. That would have been brilliant. That's we'll get Neville out to send you some more stickers. It does a, it, way more adhesive than Sigaflex. Did the first boat have a sticker on it? Were no, you, it didn't. Ah, oh, no. this is it, no. Tim. We've figured it out. Have we really, though? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll let you know. The first boat didn't have a sticker. He yeah. crashed it and sunk it. Yeah. The second boat did have a sticker. He sunk it. Well, he didn't sink it. No, he didn't it sink it. It stayed afloat. He didn't crash it. Home. He didn't crash it, and he didn't sink it. He just got some water in it. So things are on the up. The market's going up, Tim. Might just have to wear the sticker on myself just to fix me life. See how that one goes. Jaden, Dad is right. And keep safe on the next trip. We can't wait to hear the next instalment. Sure there'll be something, mate. <laughs> See you, brother. See you, mate. There's a valid new use for the TFT sticker, Andy. If you're broken, put it on yourself. And the lesson, of course, is listen to your father. Now, you asked earlier for corroboration of the uh, Kununurra metery bonanza, Andy. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm, I'm not overly sceptical. I, I don't sort of distrust Alex. I hope you don't distrust Alex. No, no. I, I don't distrust him, the honourable bull-riding, double-metery catching legend from Kununurra. I just seek um, some verification or some corroboration. That's all. Well, th- th- this should do it, and... Right on time, I might add. Come in, Matt Cox. The metering's caught in the lower rod in the past six to eight weeks would possibly be between 100 to 150, with hauls of uh, over a two to three week period of up to 20 fish per angler over a metre. Uh, lots of fish in the dollar fifteen to dollar thirty mark. There's unconfirmed reports of a dollar forty, but lots and lots of big fish being caught. So Scully and Co. 20 metres in four weeks, 30 and co, 15 metres in four weeks. Uh, Cowboy and Black Hat, 
nine metres in a week. Backpacker, seven metres in two weeks. Mind blank. Benny Durrans, five over a weekend. Yeah, it's a bit run of the mill at the moment. Like, you'll bump into a mate and he sort of say, yeah, I caught two or three down the, down the river last night. And then his mate bumped into someone there was the night before and he just caught two. And then someone that was there two nights before that and they just caught two. And okay, Matt, that's... Got there and an old mate was just throwing a big one back. And that's enough. Yeah, that's... Like, it's just none of them are small fish. We don't need to hear any more, mate. Um, I, I should probably ask you, though, what about you? Well, I'm not quite up there with those numbers, but um, just, the, just the 107 for the moment and... Uh, and dropped a couple of big ones at the bank. I had a big one fifteen thereabouts. Got sucked down the culvert at Ivanhoe Crossing. But yeah, many uh, many hookups, but many lost for whatever reason. You know, everything's relative. Uh, that sounds like a pretty poor performance. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, could be a lot better. It's a bit of an anomaly, to be honest. It's usually when the water goes green, there's quite a few fish caught in, in this section of the river. Generally bigger fish, but this year. A few questions have been asked, and uh, the obvious uh, answer is that the, the fish that have, have made a statement from Lake Kamara from the stocking program from the Lake Kamara Barramundi stocking group that's been going over the last five to six years. We've released about 800,000 fish, and we're assuming 100 of those at least have escaped, and they're all obviously over the metre mark. What did you make me corroborate it for, Tim? <laughs> That'll learn you. Well, you, you want a corroboration, well, man. That'll, that'll learn you. Why did you make me do that? Nine metres in a week. What have we done? <laughs> you've corroborated. That's all you've done. Yeah, well, what we've done is generate a disrespectful blow to every <laughs> metre, struggling metre, metery chaser in the fishing world. It is a disrespectful the blow. The thing that we it? hold up as the Holy Grail, and here we're just punching them out like little frankfurts. Mm. Before you think about it, fishos, before you even conceive of that stupid idea, no, no, you're not about to go to Kununurra and catch yourself nine metres in a week. Oh, yes. Because the border's closed. Oh, no. And while, of course, we understand the motivation behind such a stupid thought, it's a stupid thought, Andy. So, hey, hey, uh, 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 before you have it, don't, don't have it. Stop it. Stop thinking. Front, give them some dewies. Snap it up, probably 55. Bigger. Mine are bigger. You're cooking us a nice paella and feeding us with a keg of beer, and uh, now he's gone to work. Wow. Tales from the Tinny. Co-chairman of the Magnificent Bastards is Russ Walton. Russ from the Do. How you been, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Well, you must have been struggling, though, with all these closures. I mean, you'd normally be blasting to the Tiwis about this time and over the last month or so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's sometimes the case, isn't it? When we get the get the old goggles out and and tarp up and and do the do the uh, the run of death, so called over there and back, and get smashed a bit. But yeah, sort of. It gives you an opportunity though to um, maybe dust off some crab pots and and do other things, mate. Do you wear just standard swimming goggles? No, I've, I did, and I upgraded from them. I sort of went to motocross goggles for a while. They've got the nice foam and that behind them. They're a bit more comfy and, and, you, got, and you can see a bit more. And you've got the rip strips if you're full motocross. That's it's, right. You've got the tear-offs and, the tear you, off. and you can either have dark tint or clear, depending on what time of day you want to venture over there. Yeah, perfect. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be one of the first bashing their way over there when the biosecurity zones are lifted, no doubt. Yeah, I'd say so, mate. Um, plenty of fuel in the boat still, so um, no, nah, we'll, we'll be pretty keen to get over there and, and, and camping out. Like this, this time of the year now, it's just brilliant to camp out on the boat, so... It's not just about the fishing. It's, I think it's just about the tripping around and the lifestyle, mate. So did you dust off the crab pods for us? Yeah, I did, Andy. Um, the so-called prawn man and myself headed out on a trip out of town. 
we packed the boat up with the swags and dusted some of the big F&Cs. Crab Port said he leaves here, so I thought I'll take his fancy nets out and see how we go. And how'd you go? Pretty neat tides. My crabbing, I was quite negative. Oh, very positive and enthusiastic, but negative sort of thinking we're going to get a good feed. But anyway, chucked them in. We went fishing for a bit on the on the reef for a couple of jewies or whatnot, and then uh, had, had a first lift, and I think we got... Eight nice big bucks the first lift, so nice. checked them all too, and uh, they're all full and full of beans, mate. That's always a good sign when they run around the deck a thousand mile an hour trying to get you there. They're usually pretty full. You knew you were in for a good session then, eight on the first pull, Russ. Yeah, that's that's right. We hardly had to, well, of course, we didn't move any spots. We just rebaited a couple and then left them in there probably for another, uh, probably another hour or two because we went and chased a couple of bar around and we thought we'll come and have one more lift before dark and pull the nets out. We got another, I think we got 12 for the next next lift, but we just kept we kept the biggest ones. I think we threw four back, but out of all, all the crabs we got, I think we only had one one undersized crab and, and one, one big female that we released as well. So I think we ended up, we come back with 16 beautiful crabs. Oh, fantastic hole. Are you able to tell us where or roughly? Oh, uh, look. No? Uh, no, no, not in no, such a general no, area. Look, no is a fine answer, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes it's difficult. I've been out in Shoal Bay. And by the time I can find somewhere to put my pot in, I'm, I'm a thousand miles up the Howard River. Yep. <laughs> they're like snow cones. They're, they're everywhere. Um, so if you, if you can tend to find somewhere that's, that maybe doesn't get smashed as much and, um, yeah, you put the extra yards in, you, yeah, I, I would say that it might be the start of the run, to be honest. I've heard a bit of whisperings around Shoal Bay that they're starting to crawl a bit there. And then, yeah, what, what we've got, and to have them all full like that, I, I think they're on the, on the move and it, it could be the start of a good season, hopefully. Yeah, I agree, Russ. And if you look around town and, and look in people's boats as they're heading down the road, uh, lots of them are loaded up with crab pots and that sends the message that perhaps it's, uh, it's on, it's starting. Especially with uh, if the water does tend to get a bit cooler and it, it just gives you something else, especially if you take your kids or a couple of mates out or whatever, you can throw a couple of pots in and, and it, just, it just adds a, another, another level to it, doesn't it? It makes it a, a bit more an adventure. You boil or you uh, stir fry or? Oh, well, we were in for a treat when we got home. Um, oh, we, we went round to the prawn man's for dinner, of course, after a, a couple of days on the water. And he, he boiled a couple up and he made some fresh pizzas and put the, the meat in with the pizza, which was delightful. So, yeah, we had crab pizza and I think he had it on his toast the next morning. He sent me a photo of that. Um, and I, I had it for the next couple of days. And what we did is cryovac some green ones up that we're going to have a, uh, a chilly mud crab night with a, probably a couple of bottles of white wine and keep celebrating the crab festival. Sounds like a magnificent, <laughs> a magnificent celebration for a bunch of magnificent bloody bastards. We all know well, Russ, that the crabs can often bring out um, evacuation of the nether regions pretty rapidly. They act almost as effectively as curry, I'd suggest, Andy, for some. Mm. But I've, I've recently been hearing a more controversial theory that, that they can unintentionally act as a bit of an aphrodisiac too. Do you have any musings on that uh, theory? I, I wouldn't say. Sometimes an, an aphrodisiac can be like a few, or, and it could maybe get people in the mood to be amorous or whatnot, but some of the shellfish, if you have gross amounts of it, with certain people can lead to could be a permanent function for some hours, um, oh. even though there's no, you know what I mean, no atmosphere or whatever. Oh, <laughs> oh like, oh, a, like a crab phrodisiac. Oh, I, yes, I, I wish you, I... Could have, you could have a, um, a major issue there oh. for quite some hours. And I, I have heard about it and, yeah, certain experiences that uh, there is quite a bit of truth in that 
in that matter. I, I, I um, I'm regretting asking because I, I, th- I think, <laughs> I think what you're implying is there's an involuntary raising of a tent pole. Uh, for, That's right. The masters hours. is is yeah, is is activated. Like that Pakistani marquee, as Tony Gregg used to say. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> thanks. Um, thanks, Andy. And you're thanks, welcome. Thanks, thanks, Russ. See you later. <laughs> Be warned out there. Okay, th- thank you. Ru- thank you. We got it. Thank you, Russ. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, bloke. Well, that was a fascinating insight from Rustin, mm. which I could have explored for hours, hours and hours, hours and, oh, yeah. and more hours. Yeah. And it was just worthy, you know. Hours. Like, <laughs> it's, it's worthy. Hours. It's worthy. <laughs> Sit down, boy. Hours. It's worthy <laughs> of an honours thesis, don't you reckon, by some CDU student. Imagine if they could bottle whatever is in the crab that's responsible. Homegrown right here in the Territory, Andy, and, and you'd just export it straight to Asia. Oh, yeah. I can imagine it now. You could see, you could even just sell it at the airport, you know, one of those gourmet <laughs> packs, one of the combo packs. You could have a little bit of cryovac Jewfish bladder. Yes, you could. A vial of the crab juice. Yes. And a bit of bladder and then an elixir to rival Viagra. Perhaps we could call it NT Crabagra. See, as we said last week, we are the smarts territory. Put a brain on our number plates, Michael Gunner. Because we bloody well deserve it. Let the tinny get this territory economy back on track again via combo pack, Crabagra, uh, which includes some dried uh, jewfish bladder aphrodisiac. That's enough to reinvigorate the economy. <laughs> it's a reinvigorator by nature. Yes, it is. Best get-rich-quick scheme we've ever come up with, <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> uh, look, on that auspicious note, Tim, that about wraps it up for this week at the Tinny. Thanks to Alex in Kununurra, uh, you bastard. <laughs> Matt Cox also in Kununurra, you bastard too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Nathan Corpus. Uh, and in fact, thanks to all the, the strollers out there. Yeah, please the strollers. It is really, it's proof, isn't it, that you can fish and sleep at the same time. Yeah. What a beautiful notion. It's so good. And thanks to Jaden Stockbridge and Zayden Lewis. So Jaden and Zayden, what the hell's going on there? Yeah, Jaden and Zayden. Should have talked to Aiden or Braden, or perhaps Matthew Hayden with the Esky Laden. Should I go on, Tim, or is the clock ticking? <laughs> <laughs>